Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mothers who give birth at baby-friendly hospitals and birthing centers are more likely to exclusively breastfeed their babies and accomplish their personal breastfeeding goals. What does it mean to be baby-friendly? And why is this distinction so important for you when choosing where to deliver your baby? This is Preggy Pals, episode 52. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got cankles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Have you joined our Preggy Pals Club? Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You'll also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine. Visit our website, preggypals.com, to sign up. That's also where you can subscribe to our free monthly newsletter. Each month, we'll select one lucky subscriber for a free one-month subscription to our Preggy Pals Club. And you could be next. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, we have a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Michelle. Michelle lives in Los Angeles, and this is for Dr. Donishman, our perinatologist. She says, my sister recently gave birth to a baby girl at 30 weeks. The baby seems to be doing fine, but her sister and brother-in-law are having a tough time watching their baby go through this. Obviously, the baby's still developing. Do you have any thoughts on what they as a family could do to support the mom and dad? That's a that's a great question. I think you know this is one of those uh, this is a topic uh, that you've hit on that you know made me want to start Miracle Babies, and um, there are many families that are unfortunately are suffering. There are more than half a million babies that are born uh, prematurely each year here in the U.S. and uh, and we talked about just congenital abnormalities. Three to four percent of all babies have congenital malformations, major congenital malformations that require surgery or prolonged care. So in this case, I think the most important thing is to let them know that you're available and you're there for them because these people's lives are turned upside down. They are they have a 30-weeker. They've got a life that they still have to attend to. They still have to... Uh, you know, make mortgage payments or rent payments. They have to drive every day to the NICU, and it depends on where they live. Uh, there are some patients that, for example, if they deliver um, at in Temecula, their baby has to be transferred to Children's or at Sharp Mary Birch here or at UCSD, and 
imagine what the gas prices are right now. So these parents have to drive day in, day out, and that's costly. So lives are turned upside down, and there is nothing, in my opinion, at least as a father, that's more important than really your child's well-being. I understood, and I mention this all the time, I and I say it to my, to, especially to my young uh, couples that I see, for example, for ultrasounds, and I tell them, the meaning of unconditional love was understood by me when I had my my daughter, and this is such a huge responsibility. So when you, you when you're told your baby has all these potential complications that can happen, and there's no you know uh, there's no really um, can't go to a fortune teller and have him tell you <laughs> oh this is what's going to happen to your child. There are all these complications that can happen. Your baby can have cerebral palsy, could be could have bleeds in the head, could have developmental delays. How, how, do, how do parents take that? So they have to deal with that and also life's, uh, all of life's uh, requirements. So be there for them, you know, offer help, extend help. If you can fundraise for them, fundraise for them, you know, however way you can get that mom and dad to be able to only focus on their child and take away all the other problems for them. That's the best way to be there for them. I mean that's the that's the best thing you can do, and also talk to the hospital social worker. There are other you know facilities that can help, and um, but really again, the key is allow that parent to focus only on their child, and take away everything else that you can. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and what do I even say other than hey. <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on Preggy Pals, we're talking about what it really means to be baby-friendly. It's an important distinction for hospitals and birthing centers. We have two guests joining us on today's show. Marsha Walker is on the board of directors for Baby Friendly USA, the organization that implements this initiative here in the United States. And then after the break, we'll talk with Dr. Jennifer Shaw. Dr. Shaw is an OBGYN at Scripps Mercy Hospital here in San Diego, which is in the process of becoming baby-friendly. So first, let's talk with Marsha. Marsha, what is the term baby friendly actually mean? Well, the term indicates that the the provision and achievement of optimal lactation care and services has been achieved by a hospital through a very specific type of process and that this hospital has worked to remove hospital barriers to breastfeeding. It's a very prestigious award for a hospital to achieve. And mothers and families who have their baby at a hospital like that are assured that the breastfeeding help that they get is free of commercial interest, that is evidence-based, and that they can be somewhat confident that they are going to get the information they need to not only start breastfeeding, but to be able to continue breastfeeding both within the hospital and, of course, after their discharge. So why is the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, why is it needed? When was it created and what, what's the purpose behind it? Well, the, the purpose behind it is that maternity care practices in hospitals over, the year, over, the, over many years have actually put barriers in front of breastfeeding. Many hospitals, and, and some, of course, continue to do so today, Uh, separate mothers and babies right from the beginning, keep babies in a nursery, put babies on a feeding schedule, do not give 
appropriate breastfeeding support and help to mothers who want to breastfeed. And so it, it was seen that there were a lot of barriers right from the start to, to breastfeeding and that there really needed to be some type of a mechanism to correct this type of situation. It was created back in 1991 by the World Health Organization and UNICEF. And it was, it, it, it's an international project and program because it was recognized that these barriers to breastfeeding exist throughout the world in hospitals in every country. And so it was an effort, it was a worldwide effort to remove the barriers and make sure that hospitals followed what were called the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. Now, these 10 steps were created by global experts and intended as evidence-based practice to, again, assure that mothers and babies got off to the correct start to breastfeeding in the hospital and that the hospital itself, it, it, through its routines or policies or lack of policies, wasn't throwing barriers into the face left and right for mothers to, to surmount while they were in the hospital. So let's go ahead and break down these 10 steps. And as we do that, can you tell us why each step is important? Sure. Now, the 10, the ten steps were actually created in 1989. A global group of experts looked at the evidence that said, okay, what is it that needs to occur in the hospital to make sure that mothers and babies get off to the, the right start, the, the, the good start to breastfeeding? And what are, the, what are the barriers, what are the obstacles that these mothers and babies are encountering in the hospital that's preventing this? And so they looked at the evidence, published evidence, and guidance on this, and they put together 10 steps. And what the, what the first step is, is to have a written breastfeeding policy that is routinely communicated to all healthcare staff. Now, a policy like this is important because it assures not only evidence-based practice, but that the information that is given to mothers is consistent from staff person to staff person. There's nothing worse for a mother than to hear different guidance from every, every different nurse that comes in tells her something different. It becomes very confusing to the point where mothers don't know what to do. So this, this breastfeeding policy is something that is put together by the maternity unit and that is both communicated to and followed by all the staff. And that way, it's, it's evidence-based. In other words, it's not based on somebody's whim um, or somebody's experience or lack of experience. It's not, not, breast, it, it's not based on anecdotal uh, stories. It is based on evidence that is consistent from one staff member to the other. The second one is train all healthcare staff in the skills necessary to implement the policy. Well, that just makes sense. If you've got a policy, you have to make sure that everyone's trained to be able to do it. Third one is to inform all pregnant women about the benefits and management of breastfeeding. And of course, that, that makes sense so that mothers understand during their pregnancy the importance of breastfeeding to their baby and to themselves. And the only way they, they understand this is going to be through information that is communicated to them by their healthcare professionals, not by infant formula companies. Fourth one is help mothers initiate breastfeeding within an hour of birth. Now, this is important because that first hour after the birth of the baby is a very special window of time when 
the mother and the baby are especially attuned to each other and that the baby has the opportunity to imprint on the breast and get breastfeeding off to a good start at the moment in time when it is most beneficial. Are there exceptions um, made if it's a more complicated birth, a cesarean, or there's an emergency? Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's exceptions to the rule. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. There would be exceptions if the baby were premature, if the baby were ill, if there was a serious complication or problem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. The fifth one is show mothers how to breastfeed and how to maintain lactation, even if they are separated from their infants. So this means that when a mother is in a baby-friendly hospital, there is going to be a nurse that is going to show her the basics of how to position the baby at the breast, how to know the baby is latched on correctly, how to know the baby is swallowing colostrum, these types of things. And there's also generally a lactation consultant on staff or maybe more than one lactation consultant on staff that the nurses can call upon if the breastfeeding situation and, and mother-baby situation is a little more medically complex. Now, mothers need to also be able to maintain breastfeeding, in other words, be able to pump or express milk if they are separated from the baby, if the baby is over in special care or the neonatal intensive care unit. So that means that the mother still receives information on how to get things started, how to maintain her milk production, how to, how to get colostrum expressed and over to the baby. The sixth one is give infants no food or drink other than breast milk unless medically indicated. And this has to do with the amount of supplementation with infant formula that goes on in hospitals, mm-hmm. which is way too much. Right. And the, the idea of training staff is to make sure that breastfeeding is proceeding along the way it should be so that supplementation with bottles of formula is not needed unless there is a medical indication. Now, this also means that those, those goodie bags that they used to give out, you know, when you leave the hospital with all the formula, that that mm-hmm. is no longer, you know, you're not allowed to do that if you're a baby-friendly hospital, Right. Right. Baby-friendly hospitals do not give out the competition, so to speak. (laughs) Right. And the competition is there not as a gift from the hospital. This is a marketing tactic used by infant formula companies. It's called, the tactic is actually called sampling, to make sure that the mother goes home with a product that is in her hand and that she is more likely to purchase and so this, this actually is a very, very potent way of marketing infant formula. And hospitals who are baby-friendly are not in the business of marketing pricey products to vulnerable new mothers. And so the seventh step is practice rooming in, which is putting, uh, allowing mothers and infants to remain together 24 hours a day. And this is important because if you're going to breastfeed, you need access to the baby. Right. And the baby needs his mommy. And this is actually true no matter how a baby is fed. And again, evidence shows that when the baby is kept on the mother's chest, skin to skin with the mom, that the baby maintains his temperature better. He doesn't get chilled. Maintains his blood glucose levels better. In other words, his blood sugars don't drop. The baby doesn't cry. And the baby now knows that, ah, this is mommy. Mm -hmm. I can hear her heartbeat. 
I can feel how she's keeping me warm. And, oh, by the way, look what I see. I think that's where my food comes from. <laughs> right. And so there they go. Right. And, and the idea of, of practicing rooming in means that the mother has the opportunity to learn about her new baby, learn the feeding cues of the baby, learn how to position the baby at the breast, this type of thing. She cannot do that if the baby is 30 feet away in a plastic box in a nursery. The other thing is the mother puts antibodies into her colostrum and milk to things to which she and her baby are exposed. So she has a a fabulous way of protecting her baby from all the germs and nasty things, all the pathogens that circulate in the hospital. Mm because she and the baby are both exposed to it. Now, if the baby is separated from her down in a nursery, she's not exposed to the pathogens down there and can't protect her baby from those. Wow, that's a really good point. Step number eight is encourage breastfeeding on demand. Well, I mean, this just makes sense. Rather than putting the baby on some type of artificial schedule, what this step is pointing out to mothers and staff is that the baby knows when he's hungry, the baby knows when she wants to feed, and we want to feed the baby when the baby is available, behaviorally available to feed, when the baby is showing feeding cues. And it turns out when the babies are breastfed that way, they, they get plenty of colostrum, they are well-fed, the mother begins to understand, oh, that's when I need to feed the baby, when he does this, that, or the other thing. And so the babies then are not in any danger of being underfed if they are fed according to when they really are ready to feed. Number nine is give no pacifiers or artificial nipples to breastfeeding infants. Now, the reason that is in there is because babies very early on develop a what's called a nipple preference. In other words, when they imprint on the human nipple, that's, that's what they understand is going to be the source of their food. If they imprint on an artificial nipple, an artificial nipple is very, very different. A pacifier or a bottle nipple is very different than the breast. It is a long, rigid, hard object that is inserted into their mouth. The breast is not. The nipple and areola on on a breast are drawn into the baby's mouth by the baby himself. And that that is a huge difference between the two methods of feeding. And the baby needs to learn how to engage in this, this drawing of the breast into his mouth. And if we program that baby to expect a rigid, hard object to go into his mouth, his mouth is going to conform to that particular object. And then when presented with the breast, there's no way the baby is going to be able to latch onto a breast the way he sucks on an artificial nipple. What about nipple shields? How does that fit into this? Well, nipple shields cover the nipple with, a again, a, a more rigid projection. And those are actually very good tools to use, but only in special situations. And this is why they are a tool that is reserved for um, an infant who is having, say, say, a premature infant or an infant who is having some difficulty for, for a myriad of reasons, maybe have upper airway problems or is premature 
or is a late preterm infant, babies who do not generate much vacuum in their mouth, these types of special situations. So a nipple shield is a very good tool, but used only when necessary. Okay, but you could still use a nipple shield and, you know, be compliant with being oh, yeah. baby friendly. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. Okay, and then is the goal to eventually wean babies, if possible, off the nipple shield and go just to the breast? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and that may happen sometime after they go home. And again, it depends on the problem. Those shields are generally used for babies who have some difficulties. Right. And, and that means that there, there needs to be follow-up once the mother leaves the hospital in, in what's going on. That needs to be monitored. And it should be monitored, by obviously, by the baby's physician, make sure that the baby's doing okay, and also by a lactation consultant with the IBCLC credential. So that that is something, that's a special situation, but it does not preclude the hospital from um, attaining the, the baby-friendly designation. What about using bottles if the mother has to pump? Let's say it's a NICU situation. Um, is there any language you know, in these steps about the ability to use bottles if mama and baby are separated? Um, if, if the supplementation, that's how we go back to to. Step number six about giving nothing, you know, unless medically indicated. Right. The medical indication is the exception. Okay. Step number 10 is foster the establishment of breastfeeding support groups and refer mothers to them on discharge from the hospital or birth center. And this is to make sure that there is some type of follow-up. The the first 48 hours go by very quickly in a haze for many mothers. And what's really needed is good support and follow-up after the mother goes home to make sure that she has an expert on tap who can help her get through those early days and weeks of breastfeeding. It's a learning process for mothers and babies. And what we, what we want to make sure here is that we don't toss these mothers and babies to the wolves and say, okay, goodbye, good luck, nice to see you, come back for your next baby. Right. Now, how do the hospitals do this? Do they, you know, does it qualify if they just send them home with some sort of handout that says, hey, if you need help, these are some resources that we provide or resources in the community, or do they have to reach out to them? Do they have to call them? Like, what does that relationship look like? Many hospitals routinely call these mothers after they go home just to, just to do a double check on them. But generally what hospitals will do, some hospitals have what are called postpartum care centers where the mothers come back to the hospital and there are support groups there, the baby is weighed, they've got lactation consultants who work with them, and they have, they have a, a, a really nice program that's part of the, part of the whole um, idea of, of the lactation program so that, that the mothers have, have all of that right there. Other hospitals will not only make a call like that, but they will refer mothers to all types of support services that are out in the community. They may give mothers um, phone numbers. They may give mothers um, appointments if necessary, this type of thing. There has to be some type of guidance for the mother after she leaves the facility. And as, as long as the hospitals are making sure that there is access to help after they go home, they are, they are fulfilling their, that 10th step. Right. Can you tell us about how many hospitals have done this so far and, you know, how many are kind of in the process at this point? Sure. In, in the U.S., there is probably approximately 3,300 hospitals who provide um, birthing services. Okay. Of those, there are 157 hospitals who have been designated as baby-friendly. Now, in the whole pipeline, 
those 157 hospitals and all of the other ones who are now working on this, there are approximately 785. So there's lots of hospitals that are working on earning that designation of baby-friendly, and they are to be, everyone needs to be congratulated, the ones with the designation, and every single hospital that is working hard on this should be congratulated on making such a commitment to the mothers and babies entrusted to their care. The mission of these hospitals is to provide health services, and I can't think of a better service to provide right from the outset of life than earning that baby-friendly designation. Well, Marcia, thank you so much for being on our show today and providing this great information for our listeners. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dr. Jennifer Shaw, whose hospital is in the process of becoming baby-friendly. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. Today we're learning about baby-friendly hospitals and birthing centers. Dr. Jennifer Shaw is joining us now in the studio. Dr. Shaw works for Scripps here in San Diego. Scripps Encinitas was the first hospital in San Diego to receive the official baby-friendly distinction. And now another one of their hospitals, Scripps Mercy, is going through the same process. And Dr. Shaw is heading up those efforts. Also, Dr. Shaw recently gave birth to her own baby, who's just about three months old now. And there are some perks to employees who work at baby-friendly hospitals, so she can talk about that as well. So, Dr. Shaw, welcome to Praggy Pals. Thank you. Tell us about your hospital's efforts to become baby-friendly. They've put out 10 steps that we're following um, and that we're basically implementing at Scripps Mercy, and we're still in the process of implementing these um, 10 steps. But basically, it's to have a written breastfeeding policy that all the staff know about for having the staff trained in this policy that we're supporting mothers in breastfeeding, and then to educate the patients about breastfeeding benefits. Um, we're initiating breastfeeding within one hour after birth and promoting skin-to-skin with moms and babies and promoting mother-baby bonding during that hour. And we're delaying, um, you know, doing the medications and um, waits until after the mom and baby have had a chance to bond and breastfeed. And then we're showing moms how to breastfeed. We have lactation support available every day at Mercy. And we're um, showing them how to start and also maintain their lactation. Um, We're not providing any food or drink to the babies um, other than breast milk unless it's medically indicated and ordered by the pediatrician. Um, we're promoting rooming in, which we've done for you know years, and then um, also breastfeeding on demand. And then um, we're basically eliminating pacifiers and artificial nipples, um, you know, unless there's some kind of indication for that. Um, and then also we're partnering with um, breastfeeding support groups and um, giving patients referrals on their discharge in order to help them continue breastfeeding after they go home. And Dr. Shaw, why do you think it's important for hospitals in general to become baby friendly? Well, I mean, before the whole baby friendly initiative started, I up to 50% of babies were actually getting formula before they left the hospital. And, and why, why is that? 
do you think? I think there's a perception sometimes and a worry when when babies are born that I don't have milk right away. You know, people don't really understand that the baby's stomach only holds about five milliliters for the first 24 hours. And so they don't really need to produce a lot of colostrum and the babies eat very frequently. And that's not a sign that the baby's not getting enough milk. It's just that the way that baby is going to stimulate the mom to start milk production. And so I think there was a, you know, a misconception that we needed to supplement our babies because they're so hungry and they're eating so frequently when really that's just the way that they're going to start the milk production in the mom. And so we're trying to educate patients and also educate staff to educate patients that that's the natural way that babies start milk production in the mom. Okay. Um, And we're getting away from using formula in that way. What happens when a mom doesn't want to breastfeed even when the benefits are explained to her? Right. And so, I mean, being baby friendly and being in support of breastfeeding doesn't mean that we're not going to support moms that don't want to breastfeed. We're going to support those moms, too. Part of being baby friendly is that we teach people um, how to safely constitute formula um, and so that, you know, those babies will also be fed to the highest standard, basically. I mean, there's definitely people that come in with a preconceived notion that I'm going to formulate feed my baby, I formula fed my last baby, that works for me, and that's what my plan is for this next baby too, or that's my plan for this baby. So we try to educate those patients, well, you can totally choose that. We're not going to make moms feel bad about choosing formula, but we do want to educate them that, you know, human milk is a live substance. There's antibodies in there that are going to protect your baby and everything that you've been exposed to in your life, all of the illnesses and everything that you've built up immunity to, you're going to pass that to your baby with your breast milk. So even if you choose to, um, you know, supplement your baby with formula because that fits your lifestyle, you can still breastfeed your baby or you can still pump milk and give that to your baby and they'll still get some kind of protection conferred from that too. And I know there's a lot of moms, too, who go in with the attention of breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. but there are complications. And um, whether they have a NICU baby or there's something medically that's going on with them that they need treatment for. Um, So how do you handle those types of of cases where breast milk is preferred, but it may not be what the mother can provide? Right. Well, we try to... Uh, support them if they can pump milk, even if it's not enough to, you know, fully feed their baby, we can provide breast pumps for them. We have a breastfeeding support class, um, which I've actually personally attended, where you can come and you weigh your baby and then you breastfeed your baby and then you weigh your baby again after you've, you're done breastfeeding and you can actually see how much milk you're transferring to the baby. Okay. Um, And I think that's really helpful for moms, even if they're not fully breastfeeding, so they can actually see, okay, my baby got an ounce and a half of breast milk, and then they can formula feed their baby if they need to do that. And we've had several moms that have come that have had milk production issues where they can't produce enough milk, and it's been really helpful for them because they can come, they can get support from other people that are not fully breastfeeding or that are formula feeding because they couldn't breastfeed, and I think that's really been really helpful for them too. So they can see that there's other people that are having problems breastfeeding. They're not the only one that wanted to breastfeed and wasn't able to. Right. What are some of the benefits um, for hospitals in providing these types of services to become baby-friendly? Obviously, you guys want to help your patients right. in general. Are there, are there other reasons, or what's the main reason to go through this process for a hospital? 
Um, well, I mean, I think a part of it is the marketing. We would like to, you know, attract people to deliver at our hospital. Yeah. And we would like them to know that we're there to support them in their breastfeeding goals. Um, but I think, you know, on a larger scale, too, hospitals that go baby friendly can know that they're helping. They're not only helping the environment by, you know, contributing less waste from, you know, formula and, you know, all of the prepackaging stuff that's going into our landfills. But we're also helping moms be healthier. We're helping babies be healthier. We're reducing healthcare costs on a whole. Um, you know, if if we're able to meet some of the goals in Healthy People 2020, they say that we'll reduce um, healthcare costs somewhere between three and thirteen billion dollars a year, which wow. will be really helpful. So I know being baby friendly. I mean, it really is an attitude change. It's thinking about breastfeeding first and mom and baby first. And sometimes it almost feels like you, you have to change the whole culture of you know the, the hospital or the, the way that everybody thinks. So so how has that process been for you guys? Is that a hard thing to accomplish? Has has everyone been kind of on board and ready to go and all? for it or tell us about that well I think you know changing the culture in a hospital because in a hospital everything is medicalized yeah and so you know it's all about taking the vital signs and making sure everybody's okay Mm -hmm. and so and and it's putting the focus more on having a baby is a natural part of life and we can let the moms and babies be together and we don't need to do all of these interventions you know, while we're letting them bond and letting breastfeeding start. And so it's more of changing that culture because, you know, the nurses have a checklist of things they need to do. Mm -hmm. I need to do this to the baby. I need the blood pressure. I need this. I need to do the weight. I need to do my evaluation. I need to call the pediatrician, let them know that they have a new baby and everything. And so it's just taking the focus off the checklist and putting the fake focus back onto the mom and the baby. And so, ha- has that been a hard thing to try? It sounds yeah. kind of daunting, honestly. <laughs> and it depends on the nurse, you know, like, because a lot of the nurses, like we have one, Jerry Dunn, she's been the head of the breastfeeding task force. So she's been, you know, leading the meetings and educating her colleagues and everything. And so, you know, there's definitely been nurses who are like, well, we should have been doing this all along, or they've always practiced that way. But then there's other staff members who may, you know, be more pro formula. And mm-hmm. we all carry our certain biases. So yeah. it's, You know, it's more of like helping people realize that, you know, we want to promote breastfeeding and this is how we're going to do it. Okay, so one of the things that I think is interesting about being baby friendly is if you are a patient, let's say you've already had your baby, but you're still breastfeeding um, and you need to come in for another treatment. But again, you're breastfeeding, your baby needs to be there, that you are still supportive of that patient's needs as well, even though it's not a patient that just delivered, right? Right. So if any um, patients or any moms get readmitted to the hospital after the birth of their baby, um, if it's and if if the indication for readmission is some kind of infection related to birth, they have a mastitis that they need to be in the hospital for, we try to hospitalize those patients on the third floor so that the babies can actually stay with them um, in their rooms. And then we provide them with a hospital pump if they need that while they're being admitted for whatever reason. Um, If a mom gets readmitted to a medical surgical floor, even if the baby can't stay with her, we'll still have lactation come and see her. We still provide her with a hospital pump so that she can pump while she was there. And there's very few medications that people are on while they're in the hospital that they cannot breastfeed while they're taking those medications. So we provide education, you know, related to the medications that they're taking, if they can still breastfeed, and then we have them pump. 
and um, save that milk and we have places in the hospital where we can store the milk until it can be picked up by the family. This isn't just about the patients. This is about the employees. And when we when we're talking about and thinking about hospitals, that could be hundreds, even thousands of people, you know. And I think it's really interesting because I know you just had your baby three months ago. Right. So this is very pertinent to you. What are some of the things that um, I guess have changed within your hospital to really help you know employees as well who might be breastfeeding their babies? Right. So we try to always have available a place where pa- where employees can go and pump. Okay. While they're at work, um, and they're giving you know enough break time where they can go and do that, you know, is you know because we work twelve-hour shifts usually on um, labor and delivery and postpartum, so you really need to pump realistically three or four times a shift in order to maintain your milk supply. And so we're very you know into promoting that for our employees so that they can in turn you know impl- um, support that for our patients. Okay, you know I found that it's been very easy for me you know, being a physician there, I can always find a place to go and pump while I'm working. And um, I haven't had any problems maintaining, you know, my milk supply for the baby or anything like that. And I might actually over, (laughs) (laughs) over supply her. So my freezer for later, (laughs) my freezer is pretty full right now. Thanks, Dr. Shaw, for joining us today. If you're listening to this episode and you would like to know if there are hospitals or birthing centers in your area which have the baby-friendly distinction, simply go to babyfriendlyusa.org. They have a section on their website called Find Facilities, and it lists all the hospitals and birthing centers with the full distinction. Of course, there are many facilities, as we mentioned earlier, that are still in the process. So coming up after the show, we're going to talk about what to expect when your hospital or birthing center has not yet received the distinction, but is in the process. Of course, this conversation is just for members of our Preggy Pals Club. If you would like more information about our club, visit preggypals.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to share this message with you all. This is from one of our listeners, Stephanie. And Stephanie, in this message, tells us why she chose a baby-friendly hospital and how it ended up making a big difference in her situation after her baby was born. My name is uh, Stephanie. I'm in San Diego, California, and I gave birth to my son at UCSD um, in Hillcrest, and they are baby-friendly, and I am so glad that I went there. I actually ended up changing my insurance coverage in order to be able to go there because I wanted to go somewhere baby-friendly. It turned out that my son needed to be in the hospital for a week after birth. And instead of sending me home after I was discharged, they actually just kept me in the room and called it his room so that they could board me there so that I could still stay with him the whole time. And that really helped with breastfeeding. Um, everything went wrong with my um, birth. I had a C-section. He had to be separated from me for four hours. Everything went wrong with my birth that could have gone wrong as far as breastfeeding goes. But um, thanks to being there and having so much support, breastfeeding is going amazingly. And um, 
and he's now two months old and going strong. So I'm so glad that I was at a, a baby-friendly hospital. UCSD is, is pretty awesome for that. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boot Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we have a special Mother's Day episode featuring Penny Simpkin, a well-known author and childbirth educator, who will discuss those first few moments after birth. What do moms really need to know? This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.